the blue and yellow confetti has settled on the Los Angeles Rams parade and Kevin O'Connell is the next Vikings head coach. We just got done hearing from him and this staff at TCO Performance Center, or him and Quasi Adolfo Mensa, I should say, the new leadership at TCO Performance Center. And we have a lot to talk about um, here with Ben Gessling, Michael Rand of the Star Tribune. Guys, we should start, though, with what Chip Scoggins described last month as the elephant in the room, uh, number eight, Kirk Cousins. It's what everyone's talking about. Everyone's parsing the words, sleuthing. What did he mean when he paused for two seconds between this word and three seconds between this word? Um, there's a lot. Is that what it was? <laughs> no, no, I'm joking. I'm just okay. saying that. Like, people... Are we to the point where we have stopwatches out for this stuff? <laughs> we should. We should. It'll, it'll be like tracking punts in Green Bay. It'll be like the hang time was 4.5 seconds. Boy. <laughs> don't, um, don't put any ideas out there because there will be somebody <laughs> listening to this that will do it. If they haven't already. But there's, I feel like we we at least heard from Kevin O'Connell and, and him saying that they uh, anticipate Kirk Cousins being the quarterback. Had a lot of good things to say about Kirk, um, both in the past and on Thursday at TCO Performance Center. So I want to start by asking you, Ben, what your impressions were just overall and then with this big topic on Kirk Cousins. My impressions of what's going to happen or my impressions of how they handled it yesterday? Oh, sorry. I just meant the day. Yeah, introducing Kevin, just kind of the new regime, just impressions of him meeting him for the first time in person. Yeah, I mean, the thing I think my big takeaway from it was how much he seemed to be hinting at that they don't need to blow the thing sky high. I mean, it, it, he did not come in with, there's a new sheriff in town. He did not come in with, I'm a fixer. There, there was not like the memorable uh, hello world type moment from this as much as it was about, there is enough talent here to win. Uh, he talked a lot to the, about the facilities, a lot about the fan base, a lot about, you know, we heard a lot about culture. We knew we would, we knew we'd hear about culture and collaboration and all those things, but he talked about uh, Kirk Cousins in, in favorable terms. He talked about a lot of their defenders that they have to make decisions on in favorable terms. He talked about Dalvin Cook, a guy that you could conjecture some teams would look at and say, we don't need to pay a running back this much. He talked about we have a good running back. We He talked about balance on offense. Balance on offense, which uh, it should probably make um, – a TV set in Northern Kentucky, very happy uh, this week. But so there was a lot there. I thought that was, Hey, we don't need to just tear this thing up and start over. And that that's a reflection of where they are. I mean, they're not sitting there like they were uh, from a roster's talent standpoint in 2013, when Mike Zimmer took over after 2013, they're not in as bad of a spot as they probably were when Leslie Frazier took over. Um, I, they're, they're better off there. So you can, you can do that. I think as a reflection of where they've been, but it also, yeah, I, I, there was not a kind of moment that I felt like was, I need to, to, he didn't seem like he was focused on winning the press conference. There was no kneecap biting anything kind of terribly memorable. It was, Hey, here's what I'm here to do. And, um, I'll let that speak for itself over time. Yeah. Mike, what did you think? Yeah, I think a lot of those things, I think, you know, there was, I learned more about the football part of things than I thought I would learn in the news conference. You guys probably learned even more, you know, in, in other conversations you were able to have, but just, you know, he was pretty open about what, what kind of defensive identity he wants to have, what, you know, what certain things mean on offense, what, you know, what he thinks of Kirk Cousins. He was, you know, it wasn't like he was, opening up the, all the trade secrets, but it was, it was kind of like, this is, you know, this isn't really a secret. This is what we're, this is what I want to do. Here's my philosophy. Here, here's how we're, here's how we're going to execute it. And to Ben's point, I think, you know, aside from the Kirk cousins stuff, which I think we'll get into the, the big takeaway was, yeah, that the, the, at least the, the messaging they're putting out there right now is this is not a rebuild, at least not right away that they feel like there's enough talent to win in 2022, which, frankly, is as much of an indictment on Mike Zimmer as the culture stuff is. Yes, it is. I mean, that that was my big takeaway from it was a lot of it seemed to be all you need to do is use these parts the right way or get the most you can out of these parts and you can win with what's here. It it seemed very much and the culture stuff is is part of it. And I know that 
Kevin O'Connell knows what the culture was like. I have talked to people in the building that know from talking uh, with a lot of people that were involved in the search that he was very aware of where things were. And he had certainly done his homework on what it was like and what it had gotten to be like, especially in the last year of Mike Zimmer. So that message was there. He didn't say it as directly as I think some people wondered if he would, but that certainly was one of the big takeaways is all you have to do is take what's here, use it a little differently, maybe get through to players in a little bit of a different way and you can win. So the pieces are in place is what you're saying, but I can't believe you didn't drop them. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, all right. Well, let's talk about Kirk because I do want to mention and just start off with a full quote from Kevin O'Connell and not these single words that are going to be picked out um, regarding Kirk, but this is what stood out to me uh, when Kevin talked about him. He says, I know who Kirk is as a player. I know what he's capable of. And part of our job as coaches is maximizing a player's ability. And he goes on to say, making sure we are really focused on the things Kirk does well, which I do think there are a lot of aspects of playing the position that he does well in parent is what he meant there. <laughs> Continuing the quote and help him on a daily basis, connect with his team, lead us, be a completely quiet minded quarterback that can go play because he's talented enough to go do that. Um, and then he said a lot later about, he was asked about Matthew Stafford comparing him to Kirk and, and basically put Matthew Stafford on a higher plane than Kirk and said as much about in terms of processing and how Matthew's really good at that. And that Kirk can do some of those things uh, that also stood out to me, but Ben, this sounds like a coach who understands I can win with this guy. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't the praise that you're necessarily hearing when coaches talk about a Patrick Mahomes or yeah. the, you know, long-term guy, which is just kind of par for the course for anybody who's ever coached Kirk. Right. Yeah. And the, the interesting thing, uh, one, you know, dare I say the refreshing thing is, and we're going to have to get used to this because in most cases yesterday, it went like this. He got asked a question. He thought about it. He answered it. It was not this. I mean, we're all sitting here parsing. What does uh, anticipate mean? Or he's under contract. Maybe I'll be wrong about this, but I do think we have to detox ourselves a little bit from uh, the Spielman translator. I mean, we, we spent, we used to joke about having a Spielman translator or what, what Rick said and what Rick really meant. Um, Zimmer, it was kind of just the things he didn't say he would kind of leave these big silences and you could, you could infer a lot of things and uh, most of the time be right about that or occasionally not be quite right about it. But it was, I found myself thinking at least, and again, maybe I'll be wrong, but you're not going to have to do as much of that where you're sitting there trying to say, well, what does this word mean? And was this chosen? I mean, these, there's, there seemed to be a little bit less of the political stuff where you're using a certain word to have it mean one thing. And then you can get out of it later. Cause you're saying, well, I didn't really mean that. You know, we, we have no intent to trade Percy Harvin is where everybody's mind goes. And I don't know that we're going to see them operate quite that way. I mean, again, I, it's also, pragmatic at this point to sit there and say, yeah, we Kirk Cousins is going to be our guy. Nobody's going to come out there and say, we can't wait to get rid of this guy because what happens if you can't trade him or what happens if the only thing you can do is trade him for a, a bag of uh, footballs. So, I mean, it makes sense to not do that, but I also thought the, he answered questions he did not need to answer and gave detail he did not need to give. And that would suggest to me that it's not going to be this act as much of trying to sit there and parse every single word and every single pause and all this kind of stuff. He basically endorsed Kirk without painting himself or the franchise in a corner. And as yeah. you mentioned, pragmatism of, yeah, if you're taking over a franchise, you're, you're not going to sit there and turn away what might be a great deal for Kirk. If you look at the long-term picture and think, hey, this might be best for us especially when you're not tied to him for five years, it, it costs you really nothing. And I, I know I'm saying that when he's got a $45 million cap number, but you're not committed to him beyond this year. At this point, you are committed to him for cash. You're not committed to him for uh, blocking really anybody that you're in love with. I, I don't know what they think of Kellen Mond. I mean, that's going to be a question for down the road, but you're, it's not like you're blocking, um, 
a first round pick. It, you're not in the situation the Packers are in, where it's we drafted this guy in the first round, we made somebody mad, and now we have to try to figure our, our way out of the box. You have no opportunity cost to keeping Kirk Cousins beyond the cash you could use on somebody else and perhaps the time you could use to develop somebody else on the field this year. And, and I, you can say the cash is a lot, and you can say that not playing a rookie quarterback and developing him is a lot. But I think those things in the grand scheme are fairly small when you can manage the cash other ways and you're not locked into a quarterback that you may like but not love for another five years. They can win with Kirk, Mike. Yeah, I mean, and we've seen like it, he's a good, was a career five hundred quarterback. Like he's yeah. he's not he's not terrible. So you can win a certain amount of games with him. And you you look back at his career, and there's been extenuating circumstances. We've talked about didn't have the greatest supporting cast in Washington. He's had a different offensive coordinator like every year of his life. Like there's you know there's some that things that have there's some there's some things that have worked against him that that have been you know, stability, and this could be a good match. Um, I think to Ben's point, um, yeah, you, you wouldn't say you don't want him because that diminishes his trade value right away. And then it, it also put kind of paints you into a corner where what if then you can't get rid of him, you know, anticipates under contract. Those are all just, you know, the under contract thing is just a fact. And the anticipates is leaving himself a little wiggle room in case there's some offer that just blows them out of the water. And then you can't come back and say, well, you said you were going to keep him no, no matter what. So I'm starting to come around to the idea that Kirk cousins is going to be here in 2022, but not in 2023. We know Kirk has spoken glowingly about O'Connell in the past too, right, Ben? So, I mean, that relationship, if O'Connell, if, you know, if we take it at face value of what he's saying, which there's no reason not to that, kind of um, relationship right there is a good place to start off. Here's the other thing that beyond what he is saying, um, every conversation I've had with people that are closer to it than, than we are, is that the relationship is real, that they are both very fond of the other one. So, and I, I think for cousins, that makes a difference because he has been, um, in a lot of situations where he has not been working for a coach that had his back. And I, I do think that affects him. He's not the type probably on an emotional level to say, oh, screw you. I'm just going to go out and play. And I don't care what you think of me. In fact, I'm going to use it to shove it back in your face. I, I just don't think he's wired that way. I think he wants to know that somebody wants him and is in his corner. And I think it affected him knowing or not knowing that about Mike Zimmer or not knowing that about Jay Gruden. I think that was an issue in Washington. And certainly you've seen it with contracts in, in Washington over the years and, and not really feeling like anybody wanted him. Now the come back to that, of course, is play in a way that, that to make yourself wanted throw for 40 touchdowns and seven interceptions or whatever it, it happens to be. And you won't be worrying about it, but I think you know, everybody's wired differently. And I think having a coach that he doesn't sit there and wonder about whether he likes him, whether he wants him, whether he sees the the game, the way that he sees the cousin sees it, I, I think is going to go a long way. I think that could make a pretty big difference. I'm not saying that he's going to go out and do what Matthew Stafford did and win a Super Bowl because Matthew Stafford had an awful lot of talent around him. And I'm sure we'll get into that too. But I, I do think just the act of, Coming to work, operating this team, being the guy that runs the offense will be easier for him to handle on a daily basis with this arrangement than it would have been last year or for a lot of years of his career. And I'm curious to ask you guys, talk about what will this offense look like? Kevin O'Connell went as far as to say that we're just going to bring a lot of what we did in L.A. right over here. And why wouldn't he? It just won them a Super Bowl, as you said, with Stafford and a lot of talent. This offense here in Minnesota obviously has a lot of talent. O'Connell called the skill group specifically tremendous uh, when, and when also speaking highly of, of Kirk as well at that spot. Um, so with this offense, I want to get into kind of how could this change? Who's going to be affected by it? We'll also talk about the defense, which is going to undergo even more change schematically after Mike Zimmer put his mark on it for so long. 
Um, but Ben, starting with you, just cause you know, we, we kind of dug into what the Rams offense looked like last week for a piece in the paper and, and trying to set people up for kind of what they could be seeing in Minnesota. Um, what are some of the things that stood out to you, I guess, cause you, you brought up the 11 personnel, three receiver stuff. Yeah. What's the kind of stuff that stands out to you about what could change here and what could he do differently from what Sean McVay does that just based on what he has on the roster here in Minnesota? I think that was the part that honestly stuck out, stuck out to me the most is how much it could look different after we spent as much time as we did talking about 11 personnel. I do think we'll see more of that. I, I think it's frankly, it's hard to see less of it than we saw the last few years given that's basically become the base package for most NFL teams is 11 personnel, which of course is a running back, a tight end and three receivers. But the way he talked about um, running the ball, the way he talked about balance, the way um, you got the sense that guys like CJ Ham may not be goners, which I thought, I thought that was going to be one of those moves that it's an easy one to make. And you get rid of CJ Ham who's been very good is a, a guy that teammates love a great guy in the locker room, but you know, he's a, he's a multi-million dollar fullback. So that's one I figured, well, okay, this is probably a cut now after the way they, they talked about things a little bit yesterday. I, I don't know. I, I think maybe he seems to realize the personnel that's here and that it may take a little bit of time to turn that over. And if you're going to try to win right now with this team, when you have Irv Smith, Tyler Conklin, CJ Ham, all of these guys who are not going to be as big of factors in 11 personnel, one of those three players is going to be on the field in 11 personnel. Maybe you don't do as much of that, at least in the, in the short term. It, it seemed to be a fairly, and I, that's one of the things I heard about his interview too, is that he came in with very detailed knowledge and very thorough preparation on the roster. He had a very good idea of what, was on the roster, knew it at a level beyond, I think, a lot of the other candidates and seemed to have a plan of how he wanted to do things. So I, I do think some of that comes from prep work that he's put in and probably realizing that the way you're set up currently, you may need to accommodate what you have rather than trying to fit square pegs in around holes. That sounds like we're going to get more ham in space. I'm a big Could fan be. of that. Ham in <laughs> space, baby. <laughs> I'm a big fan of that. Well, and one of the nice things about Irv Smith is assuming he's healthy, he kind of gives you an 11 personnel look without being a wide receiver. Sometimes you put him in yeah. the slot, he kind of functions like a wide receiver kind of, so you can kind of cheat it, run some things out of that. And to, to Ben's point about balance, I mean, guys, the Vikings ran the ball, um, passed the ball 49% of the time on first down last year. Guess what? So did the Rams 49 49 percent of the time they passed the ball 51 percent of the time they ran the ball is the exact same first down ratio long ratio though (laughs) second and long ratio was pretty similar too i'll look that up i'm looking on sharp football right now i'm gonna go like second and eight or more how about that um there yeah and there's so many ways you could parse that but i think the rams were top five in like the neutral pass rate which is just the early down passing when the scores and prop win probabilities within you know 20 to 80 percent of each team and that is that is the danger with run stats is that they get skewed by teams that are winning games and are trying to salt the game away yeah and so you look at it that way you got to factor in the garbage time stuff so, second so, and long, second and long is interesting. Second and eight or more, the Rams threw it seventy-four percent of the time last year. That was the sixth highest rate in the league, and the Vikings were at sixty-three percent. So that is a difference um, in philosophy, a pretty significant one. Yeah, so basically, one out of every nine um, second and longs, the Vikings are running it where the Rams are throwing it. That would be your. That's your kind of the math. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's, a, it's enough though. It's it's a it's a philosophical difference to, to be sure. You know, Rams are throwing it on. Second and long, three fourths of the time the Vikings are doing it. You know, five eighths of the time. It's, yeah. a, it's a difference. It's pretty big. Yeah, it is. And, and uh, <laughs> yeah, I should I should mention too that in the past, the Sean McVay, the Rams, we know them to run the ball when they had a healthy Todd Gurley. When it worked, when they had yeah. that, when that was the strength of their team, they did it. And I, this it wasn't this. I mean, a fantasy title they, with Todd Gurley that year. They yeah. still did it in the Super Bowl, even though it didn't work. Yeah. True, very true, very true. And so, so there was that kind of odd reliance to it there. But the the data backs up that they are a pass happy team when it comes to neutral situations. And 
in early downs. And so I think that was because in part because of Stafford. Stafford came in and said, we want, I'm going to go empty backfield. I know what you did here, but this is what I'm comfortable with. And he changed a lot of, helped change a lot of it with McVay. And so I think O'Connell's going to come in here, like Ben said, and look at this roster that he knows and say, I need to, if I want to win now, I need to bend this a little bit to what we have, which is what all coaches, good coaches should do, right? So if you've got CJ Ham there and he's a great player, I think, yeah, they're probably going to keep him and probably find a way to get him on the field and work around Dalvin Cook, work around Irv Smith and get their best players in a scheme that might not match. You know, you're not going to turn KJ Osborne into Robert Woods. Like that's, I just don't think that's going to happen in this offense, even though they might be capable of doing it. I think the pieces right now on this offense might lend itself more to um, leaning on more of like they did with Todd Gurley in the past, leaning on a Dalvin Cook at times when they have to or when the matchups dictate that when you're playing a Pittsburgh Steelers team on a Thursday night and they can't stop a nosebleed, uh, you can, you can lean on Dalvin cook. Um, But Ben, it, it, it's gotta be, he didn't mention Justin Jefferson by name, but that had to be just where you start when you're preparing for your coaching interviews, you circle Justin Jefferson, plug him into the Cooper cup role, and then you just move on. Yeah, I would, I would think that would be the the plan. And I would think that, if you're Kevin O'Connell, you've probably already been on the phone with Justin Jefferson saying, Hey, saw what Cooper cup did this year. That's basically what I want to do with you. And we've talked about it, but there's nobody that they need to make sure is happy more than Justin Jefferson. He's only a couple of years away from free agency already. And um, you need to make sure that he wants to be here. You, You can't lose a guy like that again after losing Stefan Diggs. And I think they're fairly aware of that. And the Cooper cup role would probably be a fairly effective way to make sure that he is uh, enjoying his time here in Minnesota. Yeah. If, if I think only like two or three receivers were targeted more than Jefferson last year and Cooper cup, obviously the most targeted receiver in football was one of them. Um, let's talk about this defense Ed Donatel, Mike Petton, get hired as defensive coordinator and assistant head coach, respectively. They come in as the veteran defensive minds to help Kevin O'Connell and Quasey turn this team in the right direction. Now they inherit what should have been a good defense, has a lot of good pieces, but they ranked 30th in the NFL last year, had a terrible year the year before as well. Um, Let's start about this switch to the three, four. Ben, you asked Kevin about it, and he basically said, yeah, that's going to be our base, but we're going to do – do different things off of that. Um, what, what did you think about his answer and how could that affect this roster? How does it fit this roster? I should say. Before I get into that, I want to ask Michael a question here. What, what year did Randball start? If you can. 2006. Up. It's like, okay. it's like, a, like a hundred years old in blog years. Okay. So after fourth and 26 though. Yes. Okay. So I, I just wanted to see if you have made fun of both Ed Donatel and Mike Petten and Prince. Or if it's just Mike Pettin. Probably um, just Mike Pettin. Stuff. And I just Dom Capers. Dom Capers got the full Rand ball treatment for a while. Uh, well, too. and they all end up here. So yes, I know. Like, is, there, is there some type of like Rand ball curse where you make fun of a Packers defensive coordinator and they end up working for the Could be. You never know. You never I know. know. I think it's worth looking into this. <laughs> it I, is. There, there had to be a couple other hacks in there too, though. I mean, because the Packers have been through quite a few. Well, I guess it was Capers for a long time. There was like Bob Sanders in there too, and uh, Jim Bates maybe, and they've had a few. So, um, yeah, it, it it's uh, it all. Sure, kind of Sherm Edwards back in the day. Oh boy, uh, he came Sherm here Edwards. after. He came here after Green Bay, I believe. Sherman Lewis. Sherman Lewis. Sorry, did not you Sherm Edwards. Combine Sherman Lewis Sherm and Edwards. Herb Edwards? Yeah. <laughs> I did. Yeah, Sherm Edwards. Why did I do that? I don't know. <laughs> Ray Rhodes, I think, is probably who you're thinking of. Ray Rhodes was, uh, I think he succeeded Mike Holmgren as the head coach. Did he end up here at no. all? No, I guess it was just Sherman Lewis, wasn't it? Yeah, Sherman Lewis. Lewis Holmgren, yeah. uh, coordinators. Anyway, uh, the 3-4 thing is, I, I, think it, I think it can work. I mean, you look at it and you think about the way that Mike Zimmer would always talk about how they wanted their linemen to play and – all the talk we always heard about wanting your linebackers to be able to run free. They had for all intents and purposes, a lot of three, four principles in their line. And they had two tackles there last year that could play in a three, four. And I think the question would be, is Dalvin Tomlinson 
like a five technique and in a three, four, um, do you keep both him and Michael Pierce given your cap questions? Um, what does Daniel Hunter do? Uh, you know, I, I think some of those things are questions, but you could probably play Daniel Hunter in a stand-up role as an outside edge rusher. I, I think, I mean, he's got the, the, the capacity to do it and you've got two linebackers in Eric Hendricks and Anthony Barr who played in a three, four in college. Now, the thing with Anthony Barr is he's not under contract. And the fact they put in two void years, I was playing with those numbers today, that makes it tricky to bring him back. He's also going to be 30 in a couple of weeks, and he's got chronic knee issues. So bringing him back is going to be a very, very interesting question, as it always tends to be. But he does fit in a 3-4 defense. The, the other question you have to answer with him is can he get to the quarterback? He's not shown consistently that he can beat tackles. So I think you'd have to answer that question. But his skill set certainly – well, his skill set was what the Jets were going to pay him to do before the Vikings brought it back. They were going to put him in a 3-4 as an edge rusher. So you have some pieces you could probably put in that type of a defense. Pieces aren't place. <laughs> Thank you for that. Um, th- yeah, there's a lot there. I think – with we've seen Daniel certainly stand up before, right? Because he yeah. started out that way and as an NFL player, it's where how he felt more comfortable seeing things. We heard Zimmer talk about that a lot. Um, and then kind of got more comfortable putting his hand down and, and rushing like Everson Griffin did. Um, so I, I don't think that's far fetched. What's interesting to me is that he didn't mention Daniel Hunter. I don't no, he didn't. I just want to throw that out there like a you know, just uh one of those one of those parsing of words. Um because, yeah, he mentioned Harrison Smith. He mentioned Eric Hendricks. And the reason why Anthony Barr is so interesting is he mentioned him. And he's not under contract. And Anthony played very well toward the end of the year. And much better than he did at the beginning of the year, obviously. When he was going through the knee stuff, he had the arthroscopic surgery at the end of August. Um, he said he had some issues after that surgery that delayed his return even farther. And as Ben has mentioned, it's chronic knee issues. This goes back years with both knees, um, different issues. Um, so... With that, Anthony's got to be looking to like make one of his last big NFL paydays, right? Like he came off that, he played well, and now he's going to go on the open market. I think that's why he might have spoke so unsure about the future was not knowing who they would hire, yeah. and then also knowing like, hey, I'm I'm maybe not going to be taking the pay cut I took last time to come back here when the Jets were willing to give me more money, and I said I don't want to go to New York or the Jets, I should say. Yeah. Here's, here's the tricky thing there, too, is the only – because I was looking this morning at, okay, you got the two void years in there, which we're going to put almost $10 million of dead money on their 2022 cap. And I was trying to play around with it and say, if you restructure the deal, can you get out from under that? Can you basically take those void years and push them back onto, say, a five-year contract? The answer is no, you cannot. You can split them into two years, basically, again. You can – have the void money be 4.9 something million this year, 4.9 million in 2023, but you cannot spread that out over the life of a new deal. So um, you are in a little bit of a tricky spot there with trying to do it. I mean, you could, you could probably stick a new signing bonus on there and play with some of the money you're going to give him that way. But, it's really hard to come up with a deal that pays him more money than he would get on the open market and lowers his cap number because that void money gets to be a weird block in the the whole process. And I, I think if you're looking to save money on the cap, he is not a terribly easy way to do it because of the way they structured that last year. Mike, do you want Anthony Barr back on the mic? I wasn't even prepared to answer that question because I just assumed <laughs> he was gone. Like it just seemed yeah. like it was just the, the way they did last year's contract just felt like that was going to be a no brainer. But then yeah, you get the regime change. He talks about him on Thursday. Um, and, you know, to your point, I thought the Daniil Hunter um, exclusion from, you know, he's going through all three levels of the, of the defense talks about how Harrison Smith um, talks about the, the two linebackers, then just kind of like, Oh, by the way, you got some defensive linemen that are good too. Not mentioning any of them by name. And then obviously Hunter has that $18 million roster bonus due in about a month. Um, you know, whether that's just 
the first players that came to his head or whether that was there's some sort of intent behind it. Who really knows? Again, we're used to parsing these things a little bit more carefully than maybe we need to now. But that's another place where you can save $18 million pretty quickly, but then you don't have Daniel Hunter also, um, which uh, unfortunately they got pretty used to in 2020 and 2021. So, um, you know, it's, would you rather have, I mean, if Anthony Barr is going to be really expensive, would you rather have Barr or Hunter? I'd rather have Hunter. Hunter. Um, but if, frankly, I'd probably rather not have either one on the roster and kind of start over on defense a little bit. Boy. Go ahead. I, I think you and I are thinking the same thing. <laughs> well, I was no, I was just going to say with, with Daniil Hunter, I don't know how – those contract negotiations are going to be incredibly difficult Yeah. Um, with him considering that the injuries he's coming off of, if you're Daniil's camp, you're not going to sit there and say that's a risk for re-injury because yep. um, players have gone on to have the kind of neck you know surgery that he had had to fix that, that herniated disc and have long careers – and the torn pec is something that just happens to anybody and everybody. So yeah. it's not like a knee. It's not, that's what scares you about bar. So with, with Hunter, he's going to want to also probably want as much money as possible. Why not? And you let Andre Patterson walk out the door, which was the one thing reeling him back here yeah. on that team friendly deal last year. Um, also in, in line with needing to play because Hunter really had no options. So Ben, I guess the Vikings could just say, we're going to pay you $18 million on this roster bonus if they can't negotiate with them and they really wanted him because he is under contract. He is. Yeah. And, and you could, you could go that route with him. Um, I wonder how he would feel about that. I wonder how, what recourse he would opt for. Would he decide not to show up to things? Um, yeah. That gets expensive now in training camp, the way the CBA is structured, but you like you said, the relationship with Andre Patterson has been a big pull to Minnesota. If you're going to ask him to switch roles with a new staff, how quickly do they connect with him? How quickly do they sell him on possibly being a stand-up edge rusher? And how do you pay him? I, I think the fact that he's only played six games in the last two years, I don't. It's not a risk of re-injury, but it it does make it a little difficult to pay for production when it, when it hasn't been there. That said, the risk of letting him go is that when he is good, he is on a very short list of guys that are that dynamic. And you have nobody else like him. And if you let him walk and he goes and plays somewhere else, he's still only 28 years old. I think he turns 28 in uh, the end of October, if I'm not mistaken that could be one that you live to regret for a while because you still got probably, I would guess two or three years of him being an elite pass rusher if he's healthy. And those guys are, are really, really, really important in the modern NFL. And I don't know if I can think of another, at least if you put them on one hand, the, the, the top players that take care of their bodies, that do things that, you know, yep. quote unquote, the right way that go about it professionally and, and would project to have a very long careers because of that. I would put Adam Thielen up there. I think Daniel Hunter is also up there. So at 28, yeah, like you would think at this point, got to have five more years of production if you're healthy of kind of top tier stuff. When you just saw Vaughn Miller do what he did yeah. in a Super Bowl six years apart, um, I just, yeah, I don't, I think it would be, a, Mike, why are you so ready to move on from him? I just don't, I mean, you can't pay everybody, right? If you're really going to keep, Kirk Cousins, if that's the direction, there's a way to that? do it. There is a way to do it. You can how, pay everybody. How do you pay? I mean, yeah, you can pay everybody, but then, like this, this is you know, as much as they want to win in 2022, there's a there's an element of they got to even if they're going to kind of rebuild on the fly. Like they, this is not a team that is built to win a Super Bowl. This is maybe a team that's built to win 10 or 11 games next season if things go well. But that's I don't think that's the Kevin O'Connell master plan. So. You can't just keep shoving money into the future like the like the previous regime was going to. So so how so Ben, tell me how how do you pay both those guys and not overcommit to the same roster that's been basically a 500 team the last four years? Well, the thing is, you've got two deals on your cap this year that have money that was set up as a trigger. So I mean, Cousins, forty five million dollars, and an eighteen million dollar roster bonus for Hunter. I I read both of those at the time as 
these are supposed to force us back to the table before we actually have to pay this out. So the easiest way to do it is to do an extension with Hunter and say, we're not putting this at $18 million. We're going to give you a signing bonus that we can spread over five or six years. The, the roster bonus goes away. That's not guaranteed. So you can get rid of that and then probably lower his cap number for this year while keeping him happy and keeping the cash closer to where he wants it to be. And you push some of that money into the future when the cap goes back up and you guarantee the first couple of years of it and you keep some leverage for when he's in his early 30s. That's, I think, the probably the first thing you do. The Cousins one is tricky because the easiest way to do it with him, obviously, is an extension. And then you have to decide, do we want him, especially given how insistent he has been on, I want, I don't need long-term deals, but I want them guaranteed. And that does make it tricky because you can't sit there and manipulate the cap numbers quite as effectively as you could with a five or six year deal that's not fully guaranteed. But I think if you figure out a deal with Hunter, you probably rework Adam Thielen, I think. Uh, I would expect you go to Michael Pierce and rework that because Michael Pierce does not have a lot of leverage. And you have a replacement for Michael Pierce on the roster with Dalvin Tomlinson. I, I think Pierce is probably better as a nose, but you, if you have to make some hardball decisions here, you probably go in and do that. And then you may be trimming a couple other places. If, if you can figure out Hunter, you can figure out um, Pierce, you can figure out Thielen, and then maybe you do one or two other things. Maybe it's something with Cousins. I, there's that would be a tricky piece of the puzzle, but I don't think it's impossible for uh, the salary cap wizard himself, Rob Brzezinski to get them out of this box and pay people and, and keep most of the roster together. Now you're, you're continually in this loop. If you do that of, can we win? Can we get ourselves out of the middle? You got to draft better than you have. Um, you got to use people probably a little more effectively, but I think the question of, can we keep Hunter? Can we keep Cousins? Can we keep um, a lot of Harrison Smith, some of these defensive players together? I, I think it is doable. Yeah, at the risk of sounding a little impartial, they do seem to have a wizard Gandalf in their cap in their cap seat with Rob Brzezinski. I think it's no shock. Yeah, what he does. He, and he was part of the front office that stuck around. Um, mm-hmm. So with him, some of these things might be possible. I do wonder, though, how they manage that cap number with Kirk. If they don't move it, if they don't move it and spread it out in the future, whether through void years or actual years that tie him to Minnesota, how do you find a void way to years could it? be worth looking at there, I think. Yeah, and then how do you – yeah, because I guess that could be it, right? So you said they did that with Barr. Um, that helped them spread that cap hit out. If they do that with Kirk, that could help them buy some space. Um, that is one way to do it if they didn't want to tie him, themselves to him. Because here's, here's the thing with the void years on Kirk, too, is that if you do it and you tack those on to the end, you figure if we've got a rookie quarterback that we're replacing him with, sure, it's a wash. Because, yeah, yeah we're going to have to eat like we're going to have a $20 million charge one year because of signing bonus numbers. I mean, say he gets another $30, $30 million signing bonus. You do this, this basically the same deal you just did. And you can play with the base to make it a little different, whatever. But if you throw void years on the back of it and you say, okay, we got – $20 million to pay in void years. We got a quarterback in his rookie deal. Uh, we deal with one year of expensive quarterback costs, and then we're back to the cheap years of the quarterback. I I think that's doable. Um, it makes it harder to trade that contract. I get that, probably. Um, so there's there's some things you'd have to sit there and work out. But What's, what's Cousins' incentive to do that kind of deal, though? With void years? Yeah. What, I, I mean, think he wants to be in Minnesota. I mean, I, I think the the, the trigger for him would be, I want to be here. And I, I think he does. I think the fact that he has liked it here, it's close-ish to home. It's felt familiar. He likes Kevin O'Connell. I think he would have interest in certainly in being here. I think that's where he wants to be long-term. Now, um, he's, as Andrew said, <laughs> not in the charity business. That has always been the thing with him is you're not going to typically see him come back and give money back to the team. But uh, I do think he wants to be here. So like a four-year extension where two of them are void years or something like that? I'm just trying to like imagine what this looks like. Yeah, you could do it. Well, well, no, Ben, couldn't it just be like they don't have to add 
any, it could just be like they add one or two years additionally and then just spread his current money out over that. Like, right. You or can do that you, too. Yeah. Yeah. Because to me, it could just be like, Kirk, hey, we're going to trade you to Houston or we're going to do this. You know what I mean? And I shouldn't say Houston with the Deshaun Watson stuff. Who knows? But point is, it could trade him somewhere. And then if Kirk says, I would rather stay here, I think we could win here. Maybe he feels like oh, I got to sign this to get X, Y or Z in free agency or whatever. Um, but, yeah, I don't envision any money coming out of Kirk's pocket or any spending or earning power coming out of Kirk's future. Yeah. But I could see them finding a way to manipulate the cap space where it's just, hey, let's spread this hit over a few years if we somehow can find a way to do yeah, that. Yeah, Patriots said that with Brady a couple times where you just throw the void years on the end of it. And if you think that your next guy is going to be cheap um, and you, you may be locking yourself into that route, that'd be the one catch. But if you're saying, hey, uh, another another year or maybe not even another year, maybe it's just void years, sure. um, there are ways to do it, I think. It will be interesting. We'll have plenty to talk about or plenty of time to talk about that before that um, comes to a head because Kirk's money payout. Does he have a guarantee trigger in March or is it oh, all just guaranteed? Game. the guarantee trigger was uh, last March? That's right. That's right. For 2022, it was it all became guaranteed last year. Um, Mike, I will be interested to say because you guys brought up the rookie quarterback contract thing. I will be interested to hear Kevin O'Connell's thoughts on Kellen Mond once he sees him. <laughs> in the building every day. I will be very curious to see what he has to particularly say. or not particularly. <laughs> want to see. <laughs> um, well, before we get to any questions about the mailbag, we did kind of trample all over those. Cause it's much about what we already talked about, but They're mostly um, about Kirk, right? Yeah, they, they are. Yeah. There's a couple of good, just comments and, and opinions that we can throw in, but I, I do want to ask you guys who, who else could be most affected by this coaching change among players. And I'm just curious whether it's the three, four scheme. We talked about some of those guys on defense um, offensively, Justin Jefferson or Mike, you brought up Irv Smith. Um, I guess just anybody that we've kind of left out that we haven't talked about. I think Harrison Smith might be one where if they can get him more involved, if it's in a three, four, they could even put him in the middle of the field if they feel comfortable enough about him manning the middle of the field um, next to Kendricks. That would be something interesting in mm. some nickel looks, not necessarily base looks, but um, just stuff like that, where you could see them kind of move guys around a little bit more. I don't know. He was the one that stuck out to me because, and I wrote about it towards the end of the season, you, you're starting to get into these conversations about Hall of Fame stuff with him. And the thing that's hurt him, well, he's had two things that have hurt him in the sense that, the, the biggest thing for him is he hasn't been in the playoffs very much. He hasn't been on, on winning teams, but he also has not had the kinds of all pro seasons that you often need to make it to the hall of fame. And I think if he's able to get a couple more of those and you, you hope it's not just based on stats and, and counting numbers and people are, are sitting there looking at, okay, how did he play? How did it work in the defense? But the reality is you've got writers that vote on those awards that can't possibly watch every single team. So stats do matter. If there are years where he's playing in a defense with that Donatel that has prioritized turnovers more than probably Mike Zimmers has, and he gets some of these years where it's four, five, six interceptions, um, that may help him get another all pro somewhere in there that could help his case. So, I mean, that, I'm conjecturing a little bit there, but I think that lens of what this means for Harrison Smith is going to be an interesting one because they haven't had a, a Hall of Famer for quite a while, a guy that's been a recent player that's been in the conversation. Jared Allen has, but um, has fallen short of making it to that final group. And beyond that, it's really not since Randy Moss, at least the, not that I can remember. I mean, Randall McDaniel, John Randall, kind of that same era. But it, they haven't had a lot in the 2000s and Harrison Smith. Uh, at least before Adrian Peterson gets in the conversation, could be a guy that's in the mix. That's true. I guess, Mike, is there any player that you want to see back or that you know might seem like more of a fit now uh, with the Vikings outside of Anthony Barr? Yeah, I guess the, the two things, it wasn't necessarily like someone who I wanted to see back, but uh, I think we talked about K.J. Osborne and just the opportunity that might be awaiting him if they use more of the three wide receiver sets. I mean, he showed that he's got some potential last year but you know they he probably wasn't on the field as much as a lot of he as he would have been in other situations so that you know that's someone who could be poised for a certain leap but to your point andrew you know you got to play with your personnel too if irv smith is healthy if you know tyler conklin emerged to a certain point last year you do have to take that into account like maybe they will use a little bit more 
two tight end because they have two pretty good tight ends. Uh, the, the thing we, we didn't talk about at all at Thursday's news conference was I don't believe there's a single thing that, that O'Connell said about the offensive line. And if you're going to pass a lot more, you're going to be pass blocking a lot more. And I guess my, my question is, you know, if you're going to have Kirk playing with this quiet mind, like what's the, what's the happy marriage here? What's the scheme where you're still able to kind of, you know, make those big, you know, those winning plays, uh, but also you know, protect him in a way that limits his exposure in, in that area. It's that, that, that to me is going to be a big question. Like that, that's a scheme thing in a lot of ways to me. And where, where does that come into play for the offense that he wants to run? Yeah, that is interesting because I, I think a lot of the talk over the last few years with Stefanski and the Kubiaks has been put Kirk under center, have him dropping back, reading things out as he's coming from under center. But you do wonder if if you put him in shotgun, does that give him a little more time to sit there and read and not have that rush in his face right away? I mean, is that a trick they could use a little bit more often, especially after – coming out of an offense where Matthew Stafford was in shotgun almost all the time. I, I wonder if you'll see a little bit more of that going forward as a way to kind of mitigate things. If you're worried about the offensive line up front and maybe those guys just get better. I mean, you, you may, you have guys like Ezra Cleveland um, that I think improved last year, Christian Derrissaw, you hope figures it out um, in year two, Brian O'Neill is very good at what he does. Garrett Bradbury you have questions about that, but um, and then you have front of right guard, but yeah, I wonder if, if putting Kirk in the shotgun is, is one kind of mitigating factor you can put in play there. Was there a thing that Dalvin doesn't like the shotgun or was that Adrian Peterson a long time ago? It was Adrian that did not, Adrian hated it. Uh, cook, I think has kind of been fine with whatever, but Adrian made no bones of the fact he didn't like it. Yeah, Adrian. Oh, that's right. Um, he wanted to hit the line with a full head of steam. That's what it was. I was trying to remember what he would always say about it, but I think it was the fact that it was too hesitant or he had to wait instead of let running. Me, let me let me start from eight yards deep. Let me hit it hard and get out of my way. <laughs> was the basically the approach. All right. Um, let's get to the mailbag here. We got a few minutes before we got to wrap up. We have. Oh, I, I kind of like the one from. I kind of like the one from Carly who. Just kind of, it was kind of the quarterback situation overall. Said so if you were the GM, here's your five options. This is all. This is a quarterback question, but it, if you were the GM, would you do status quo for 2022 only? Restructure Cousins, keep Mannion, develop Mond, trade Cousins, acquire a veteran bridge quarterback, and draft a QB in 2022. Acquire a second year quarterback and trade or release Mond, or roll the dice, keep Mond, and draft a quarterback. That's a it's lot nice of too that she put these in basically the spectrum of status quo to the biggest change. So <laughs> easier to score it that way. So nicely done on that, Carly. Yeah, it was it was pretty good. It was a, it was a, it was well thought out. And I don't if it was me, I kind of go back and forth. Maybe maybe you guys can go. What would you do? What what's what's the best what's the best idea for 2022? I. You know, putting on my general manager hat with all my years of experience and personnel evaluation and managing NFL teams, I would trade Kirk Cousins, acquire a veteran bridge quarterback, draft a quarterback, and keep Mond. Um, so basically saying I, I don't necessarily mean draft a quarterback this year. If he's not there, don't take him. And if you think there is one next year, go get him. Um, but at this point, I don't see how this team is Super Bowl ready with Kirk Cousins in 2022 and I have huge questions about how this defense gets turned around under this salary cap around his salary. And the only way I think you can win with Kirk right away is if you find a way to lower that cap number and have an and, awesome defense and then bring a bunch of talent in like you tried to do last year, basically yeah. running, not running it back with the same schemes, obviously because you're changing all that, but running it back with an approach that's not too dissimilar because you're trying to take advantage of Kirk's window. Running the and, 2021 ramps back. I think it's basically what you could, say it would be sure yeah yeah exactly so i i just to me i i don't think you want to tie yourself to kirk though um and to get that cap space just for this year and so i guess if it were me i would trade kirk and i would free up that money but trading kirk for what you think he's worth or what you think you should get is a lot harder than just writing a tweet and being like hey how about a two or a one yeah i think i mean if it's cleveland maybe you can do it but then you then you're bridge is baker mayfield i guess um probably doesn't, that scenario. doesn't have to be right because he's still cheap 
So if, if, yeah, they could hold on to Baker. Why? I mean, they could just be like, sorry, Baker, you're our backup now. You're yeah. under your rookie contract. Um, we're just going to hold on to you. And then when, once yeah. it expires, we'll let you walk. His rookie contract yeah, is like 19. His rookie contract is like 19 million, isn't it? Because he was oh, an overall pick. My yeah, bad. I think so. Was it, I want to say it was like 18 or 19 million bucks. Is it? Year. So it's the fifth year option already, is it? Yeah, um, that's got to be it. Yes. So um, my bad. Okay. So he I, is a little more expensive. I would go with like, this is a cop out, but I, I just don't think the contract's that tradable. I think I would go with like a combo, like option two and a half, I think. <laughs> okay. Uh, Choose so your own adventure. I don't like the. I don't think you need the bridge QB if if you're keeping Cousins. Um, wait, just as we're parsing things here, though, she capitalized bridge. Does <laughs> bridge this mean a bridge QB, or does it mean a bridge water a bridge QB? A bridge water QB. A bridge know. water QB. So just just you How's know, Teddy you looking. Get to try How's to Teddy get all looking? these these second level meetings in here. We haven't quite gotten out of the Rick area yet. Um, I would probably restructure. Maybe it's the void years like we're talking about. You make Cousins your bridge. And then if you like somebody in the draft, you take him. I, I think if there's – we talk about this being a bad quarterback class, but if there's one you like and you're picking 12th, you're going to be in a, a decent spot to get him. So I think maybe you do that. You you get over the fact that you have a couple of these guys on the roster and you get over the fact that – Mond is in the mix. I mean, it, this is hard to know without hearing more about how they evaluate the quarterbacks, mm-hmm. but I think I would probably do that. Just make you do what you can to make the cousin thing more palatable. Don't necessarily fully commit to him long-term. And then if there's somebody you like, uh, go get him and, and try to make it work from there. All right, Mike, you've, you've held off long enough. What would you do? I mean, it, it's a, it's a hard one. I, I think I'm, <laughs> I'm 50% trade him, but it's, you know, how tradable is it? I think if you can't trade him, I think the best answer is status quo for 2022 only. Just live with his $45 million contract in 2022. Fit yourself underneath there, but don't commit yourself to any more future Kirk Cousins money, whether it's real years or void years, and then start over in 2023 with a cheap quarterback. With, with you know, get your guy that's going to be who you think is your future quarterback in place by 2023 and have a lot of those rookie contract deals where you could really start to build out that roster. Yeah. Thomas asked if I have even a scintilla of remorse <laughs> for signing us up for another five years of Kirk Cousins. Thomas, I hope you've listened to this and realized that I am, I'm proposing a third way here. So we have not signed up for five more years. I'm not saying that's not going to happen, but we are, we are keeping an open mind here. We are not boxing ourselves into one of these solutions or the other at this point we're all about connected connectedness cohesion collaboration what not remorse ones? i have no remorse no culture remorse. and None. no no scintillas of remorse no scintillas <laughs> all right that'll be it for this episode I don't know what of, the of scintilla is i might not be scintillas scintillum i don't know that'd be the singular maybe it is scintilla i don't know i'll look it up you guys don't care scintilly i'll look we'll look it up and report back <laughs> okay, well, we'll get back to you guys on that on the uh, Access Grammar podcast. Uh, thank you for checking this episode out. Please tell your friends about it.